Hey everyone, we've got a great episode of Sex, Guys, and Videotapes coming your way in just another moment. But first, I wanted to tell you about an exciting, first-of-its-kind app that's taking the dating community by storm. It's called Buckets, and it allows you to aggregate and sort all of your matches across dating platforms into convenient, customizable categories called, you guessed it, Buckets. Build separate buckets for your various one-night stands, jump-offs, friends with benefits, slam pieces, boy toys, and fuck buddies, create personal goals, log your progress, and compete against other users in your area. Buckets is currently compatible with over two dozen different dating apps, including Tinder, Bumble, Hinge, Grindr, Her, Happen, Raya, Thursday, and more on the way every day. Download today and get a one-month free trial of Buckets Plus when you enter the promo code SEXPOD. That's S-E-C-S-P-O-D. Available in the App Store and Google Play. Don't put your lover in a box. Put them in a bucket. Welcome back, everyone, to Sex, Guys, and Videotapes, an exploration of the film Out of Sight by Steven Soderbergh, done one second at a time. Uh, we have a very good one today. As always, Aaron is here. Carly's here. And we have brought along for this one two guests who, uh, in a minute, I think it will make sense why they are here with us today. Uh, we we hand-selected them. They were champing at the bit to get on this particular episode uh, and talk about this particular second. Uh, it is uh, Chris Woodward and Kurt Schiller here from Parents Just Don't Understand. Hey guys, and Podside hey. Picnic now too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've we've kind of we've kind of uh, slithered into that podcast. I, <laughs> we were just discussing what to call ourselves because we don't feel like co-hosts. We I think we went with like podcasters in residence. Yes, um, but <laughs> there go. but yeah. So so I've been a fan. Um, of this series for a long time. Um, and I, I don't know, I, I was really skeptical the first like 10 or 15 episodes. Um, and it was really, it was something that I was listening to while, like while I was playing like, like Elden Ring or like Horizon Zero Dawn or something. Um, and then I have to say like the, over the last like 15 or 20 episodes has really come into its own. Like I really feel like the, like the format lends itself. So I was, I was super excited um, about this particular second for like, like obviously, I was like I was like going second by second, and being like, which one of these do I want to be on? Um, and it came down for me to the to to do the SunTrust Bank sign. Um, and when I saw that, I was like, this is the, this is the one. This is the one that that I want to be on. So I'm super psyched to be on. 
Yes, absolutely. And there's some some little audio cues in here too. You know, the last time you all were on our our uh, sister show, Hit Factory, you talked with us about the excellent Kurt Russell film Breakdown. Mm, yes. You know, just uh, guys, guns, and cars. And we figured, you know, for the purposes of the show, we really wanted to bring you on for one that had some cars in it. And if not actual cars at least uh, at least a second that implies cars sound a sound a sound of car and multiple cars at that and we'll talk a little bit more about how many we think that is in just a minute um but i kurt i I so appreciate i so appreciate the compliment you know we we've been doing this now this is our 13th week of recording we've been doing five of these a week for a minute there i'm very tired we're extremely tired. You know, if, if there's any sort of fatigue to my voice, it's not because I'm not excited. It's not because I'm not enthusiastic to be here because we're actually finally getting into the meat of the of the film now um, in this 63rd second. Uh, but, you know, like you said, Kurt, we spent the first 24 of these episodes and wasted, I think, you know, kind, kind of uh, squandered some really, really good guests on just that Universal logo, um, you know. <laughs> D- darling Jacob Bacharach, as sweet as he is, had to talk about a, a black screen, you know, for his for his 24th second. If anyone could manage it, it's Jacob. He, and he did. He rung so I mean, there's, much. There's still so out much there. There's so much there. That was so a much. great episode, though. I well, I appreciate that. But you know, like we 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 hit 50 and we got to that title card. And that's when I knew we were finally over the first hump. You know, I know we still have, you know, something like 7,000 more of these to do, About but, 7, but this was a major milestone, you know, getting past that and actually getting into the nitty gritty episode 60, obviously being like an, a, a full minute of footage that we finally completed. And now that we're into it, like it feels like it's, it's finally real now. Well, if I could just join the, the Mutual Appreciation Society here for a second. Please. Uh, a second. <laughs> you know, the, the, the great Tarkovsky <laughs> said uh, that cinema was sculpting in time. And, you know, you, you guys are really taking that to a whole nother, whole nother level. I can't talk right now. <clears throat> and, you, you know, it's just it's really just taking a microscope to one of the preeminent like blockbusters of our time uh, of the 90s uh, specifically. And uh, it's just it's just really it's been a, it's been a blast jo- uh, joining you along that journey. And I'm very proud to be invited on here. It feels good. <laughs> it feels really good. It feels good. It feels it feels right. It feels like the work that we've put in thus important. far uh, has been worth it. You yeah. Know? This this second, I think, is is one of the most rotund seconds of the entire film. It's a juicy, it's a juicy second. I mean, I mean, not, not, not the least of which for the fact that there's a, there's an actual cut in it. It's so rare. I think that in these seconds, you actually get like a cut like that. And not just that, but like a really meaty, tricky cut. Um, And I think going at that level really helps you appreciate it. Mm. I couldn't agree more with that up to this point. The camera's constantly in motion. You know, every every second has had, you know, kind of like a, a, a change in angle when we've been with Clooney, when we've been with Jack Jack Foley. But this one actually is is almost bisected by a, a distinct cut. There's so much motion in this one. Um I, I I don't think I had ever noticed this particular second of the film before on and it, watches. It's, and, it, it's and this so is why we do the show. Surprising too. It comes as so much like such a huge surprise. It's such like a like like a like a like an inflection point for mm-hmm. not just like the visual but like the narrative style of the movie. Yeah, just knocks you right out of your chair, that cut. At least it did for me. It couldn't agree more. 
it, it's so funny because you know we have our collective group chat on Twitter, but we also have our own individual ones too. And when we were talking about doing this, you know, I, Chris initially messaged me by accident in a in the private group chat or in the private just you know DM back and forth, and said, "Hey, I, I'm not sure if it works out for Kurt's schedule, but I want to do second sixty three. Mm-hmm. And then in the group chat itself, Kurt said, I've been watching. I think 63 is it. I think yeah. this is the one. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, that was you're so going to laugh. You're going to laugh wild. at this, man. And then I took the screenshot and I was like, you guys sent this to me within an hour of one another that this mm-hmm. is this is the second you all wanted to discuss. It's, it's so funny that that's how I found out about like the second group chat where you all just have to, to talk about me that I'm not into. <laughs> Um, and I don't, I don't mind it. Like, like I totally understand it as I'm sure all of you do, because like we, we all have one to talk about Chris and we have Mm -hmm. another one just to, to, to talk about Carly. So I guess it, it makes sense that there would be another one without me in it. Um, but it was surprising that this is how I was like able to confirm that. But honestly, I didn't mind learning that we were all on the same page about, about the second, which I have to say is very nearly a third. I think it goes beyond being a second. Yeah. Hmm. Totally with you on that. Can I ask a, a, a technical question, which is please? Um, how how do you all watch your second? But when you do an episode, I don't know that you've really talked about that because what I what what I at first I was I was going frame by frame, mm. um, starting from the beginning and kind of going like as as I would listen along with the episodes, I would like put one of the frames up and really try to like digest it and i would try to like do different things to it like i would like adjust the contrast i would like flip it around sometimes mm. it's a little fucked up i would go backwards starting like uh with with this one i decided to try taking all the frames in it and superimposing them over each other and uh. that didn't really look like anything but it gave me an interesting perspective that i think i wouldn't have otherwise had on it so do you are like when you take a second do you do you do like a linear second do you put it in the context of the second before and after? Like, what's what's your preferred method? It's a great question. Yeah, preparation for this is really key, you know, because we want to see and hear the footage in succession with what, you know, we want to we want to hear them in tandem. We want the actual experience of, of kind of watching, as we'd call it, right? Just watching formal, formal sort of like uh, active film watching. Mm-hmm. Um, but we also like to investigate the individual nuances of the frame as well. So what we normally do is I, I'll screen cap a frame by frame of the second mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and we'll review those sort of as a slideshow. Um, just print those out, um, you know several hundreds of, of pages of several paper at this point. pages. But I, I think it's really good to just kind of have, and even have it here in our, in with my notes, you know, that I can just kind of flip through and, and go to a specific, just sort of capture if I want to. But the other thing we do is I often, uh, you know, I, I, I take the physical media and I will uh, import that. I, I put it into Final Cut and and clip the second. And then what I do is I just copy paste for roughly roughly five maybe ten minutes, you know, somewhere in between there, usually mm-hmm. just depending on how how much is in the in the the actual second, and we just let it play, and it almost kind of feels like a loop. It sort of plays like a GIF, but a GIF with sound. It's a mm. it's an audio GIF. It is. It's an audio yeah. GIF, and it's it just in in repetition. It it really works. The, the gentleman who who created the GIF just died, so I, I, we should pay some respects to him as well. Just just you know, shout outs. Thanks thanks, brother. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks, dude. Thanks, dude. They're good. 
They're good, especially like They're something good. like a second is perfect is perfect for that too. It almost makes you wonder yeah. who's created. Yeah. Absolutely. I feel, yeah. like, I feel like he would have really appreciated that. It, yeah, it's... we're building on the medium. I, th- I yeah. think without without the specific expression of the second long Tumblr gif mm. that has the, the the caption of what the the actor is saying, yeah. but it doesn't have the full sort of, of, yeah, of yeah, motion of the yeah. mouth for yes. that full quote. Yeah. Without that gif, I would not really, I, I would be losing basically like a, a secondary form of speech to me. Mm. You know, yeah. you've got yeah. you've got sort of the verbal communication, you've got the nonverbal cues, but without that particular gif, that, that sort of gif quality, that classic sort of Tumblr style, I don't know, uh, everyone's replies would be a little bit less colorful yeah. um, because I, I would really be able to say nothing without yeah. them. Oh, it's funny that you uh, mentioned printing out um, individual frames because, you, you know, I, I do something similar. Um, but, I, you know, to get back to, uh, the, you know, the origins of connecting this uh, modern day cinema to its origins, I, I arrange uh, the frames in a zoetrope and oh, uh, yes. watch it through there. Yes. And, and uh, you know, the, I think that really brings a, a textual, uh, you know, feel to uh, the, the second. Um, so, yeah, it's. Uh, it's it's funny that we kind of went the same way with physical, uh, you know. That's it's just it's just funny that way. It yeah. is, it is. I, I, I mean, it's why it's why y'all are here, and it's right? incredible We're... too that it's like you know, cinema has come so far since since the Lumiere brothers and and since like Moybridge and his Zoopraxiscope, right? But ultimately, it's the same basic functions, right? It's the same. It's the same idea. It's the same general concept. The way that we view the moving image, even though it's digital now, as opposed to you know mostly analog or, or, you know, 24 frames per second on celluloid. But this particular kind, like doing a, a podcast like this, kind of obsessing over these individual seconds has really, I think, more than anything, gotten me in tune with and felt sort of this kinship with the the early sort of uh, the godfathers of of modern cinema, right? Mm-hmm. And the godfathers of really the, the technique of cinema in general. It, it, it I feel now closer to the Lumieres. I feel closer to Moybridge. I feel closer to all of those early Edwin Porter, even, you know, a little bit later into sort of the silent era. I I know them almost right. Mm -hmm. This to me, these moments, these seconds, like when I watch them now and and watch them in in quick succession like this, I get that sensation sometimes, you know, Carly says she fell out of her seat. I almost did too. I almost ran to the back of of our, our living room the same way those folks who first saw that train arriving in the yeah. station did. Yeah. yeah. I, um, I, this is this, this is a little bit left field, but um, are are any of you familiar with uh, Ziga Vertov's uh, Man with a Movie Camera? It's a, it's a 1929 Absolutely. Soviet film. So um, Absolutely. As I'm, I'm sure that I, – I, I know you know this because you heavily discussed it um, in uh, episode 34 – um, but so like the second, the, the SI unit, the second is, is measured by the vibrations of cesium 133. Um, now the Soviet union, uh, didn't have a good source of cesium 133. So they actually used strontium 70 to measure their seconds, but there's not, and at the time they thought that that was the same, uh, fre- frequency as the cesium 133 when, when a current is applied to it, but it's actually not. Um, so, so the, the Soviet second is actually like 1.25, uh, American or, or standard seconds. Mm. And I know that you, um, you know, you've, you've talked about, about doing other films, especially like a silent film. And I I think it would be so interesting to do a film where the idea of the second itself 
isn't mm. standardized. And like, I, I mean, do you do you think that you would do like a Western second, or do you think you would do like a Soviet second um, if you were to do something like that, or or Tarkovsky or something like that? Very distinctly remember talking this over with uh, with our good friend Jesse Hawkins on that that episode in thirty four, and just like discussing, you know. It, as well researched as Jesse is, you know, coming to us talking about this particular kind of uh, phenomena of the Soviet second, mm. right? Um, and at the time, you know, we, we recorded that none of this stuff had, had been going on yet in in Ukraine and Russia. Yeah. Uh, so, like, it, it, I feel like it has a little bit more. Hey, there's just some prescience there yeah. now, yeah. right? It just feels yeah. more kind of like on the tip of everyone's tongue thinking about it. I feel like it would be a really interesting kind of radical exercise trying to do it, especially right now. I fear that maybe some people would lob, you know, kind of uh, try to put us in that that same camp with a lot of the the pro Putin left that I keep hearing yeah. about, you know, in the mm -hmm. media. So, it, but I think that this might be an interesting way if it's done right to generate some empathy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. For the I mean, Russian I mean, how cause, better right? for, for how the better Russian to people. empathize with people apart from how they themselves experienced time or experienced it growing up? Experienced right? time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So well, I well absolutely. It's interesting because that connects both uh, Eisenstein with Einstein and his theory of yeah, relativity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and you know, th this show embodies that because. You know, you're taking the second and you're exploding it to, you know, an hour or something like that. It's, it's just it's just an, uh, uh, incredible. Yeah. One way we could get around the potential squishiness of talking about the Soviet second is that by the time we get to that film, we'll be about 88. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so yeah. like, it'll be fine. That's true. That's true. Because you it'll know, be okay. I, you know, we're doing what I, what did I say? You know, f five of these a week now on a good week, we can get five of them done. We're in our 13th week. Now we've got just a, like something like 7,000 and, and 200, give or take 7,180 mm -hmm. of these left yeah. to do. We'll be like all living in some new Pangea at that yeah. point. Yeah, I, I mean, if we really push, I think, you know, 24 years is not, a, a doesn't feel, it, it will feel like time has just flown by by the time we and finally it will get have, to it will those have. kind yeah, of which is final seconds of the movie. Yeah. I don't want to jump the gun, but like, can we talk about the second itself a little bit? Because I'm I'm so jazzed up. Let's let's, let's talk about let's the second. Absolutely, do we that. could we could talk all around it forever, but let's let's go ahead and play the second for us here and for you all listening, and then we'll come back and uh, and we'll discuss. Jesus, and there Christ. it was. Jesus I, Christ, this is I. <laughs> I mean, like I said, you know, I maybe I was, you know inadvertently evincing some fatigue either vocally or, or, you know, bodily here in front of you all. But now that we've actually gone back and actually seen and, and heard the second again, I am so filled with excitement. I, I mentioned earlier, you know, just the movement here. We get that, we get that cut from the SunTrust Bank mm -hmm. sign to Jack, to, to, to George Clooney. And there's so many planes of motion mm -hmm. happening here. There is a figure walking left to right across the screen, right? We never know who this is. Out of focus, yeah. ostensibly wearing black. They seem rather large too. It's hard to tell whether or not it's it's a, like a, a bigger man in like a black mm -hmm. coat, um, or or if it's you know some sort. Maybe it's maybe it's a vehicle, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but it's moving. It's moving kind of at the the, the pace of a of a man, or or. And then Clooney, as as we're moving across this axis, axis here, he's got kind of a y-axis thing going, where he's running his yes. hands through his hair. Both of them at the yes. same time. You see the hands. You see and the you hands come up, but you don't lot. actually get to see, at least not in this second, 
what's what are his hand what's what's the completion of the motion at this moment it could be anything he yeah. could he could grab a mask on the back of his head or something and and pull it off and you're watching a mission impossible film he yeah. could he could yes. he could unzip a zipper down his back and take a robot out of it of some kind and you're watching a terminator film he could Mm-hmm. Do something totally. else completely unusual and different. You're watching some kind of like a French film all of a sudden. He can talk French, but he, he doesn't in this second. But you don't know what's coming in the next second during this second. And it's such the, the way that it's truncated, the way that his arms are in motion. The fact that he's touching his hair um, is so I don't know. It's just like it really just puts you in that moment so deeply and so completely. And also, I have to say. Um, it's not lost on me the that you know we there there is there is legible text in this second as well. You've got you've got a couple words: son, trust, bank. Um, and it occurs to me that like you know, son, you've got this like father daughter relationship. She's not a son, but like, what is a daughter but an upside down son? Um, you've got mm. like it's it's the morning. The sun is there. It's almost mm. like it's foreshadowing the second half of the second in the first half of the second. Um, you've got, you've got trust where, you know, in just, I don't know, 20 or 60 episodes, you're going to be talking about the, the, the kind of the interaction that's going to happen over many, many episodes between the teller where he's asking her to trust him. Then you've got, of course, the, you know, the, the bank, which is, you know, so important for the film itself. And he's a bank robber, right? Um, you know, it, it, and at this point, you don't know what that what that means. Is he a good? Is he a nice bank robber? Is he a mean bank robber? Is he like a singing or like a rapping bank robber? It could be anything um, at this point. And the fact that it goes from that to cutting to him touching his hair is again. It's just. It's just. It is like it. It is cinema to me. This second. Yeah. Cinema. And, and the the SunTrust Bank sign just really grounds you uh, in a location too. Uh, because mm. you see the swampy Florida, you know, behind this the, the the sign, and the sun really keys you into, hey, this is the sunshine sh- state that yeah. you're in, and uh, mm-hmm. it just really puts a place, uh, you know, puts you right in that place. You know, one of the things that I find so rewarding about this uh, this particular second is is kind of what you emphasized, both of you, Chris and Kurt, which is this might be the first time in in 63 of these episodes now in 63 of these seconds in the film where the outcome is not Mm, certain yeah yeah you know there's so much opportunity there's an there's an unpredictability to it you know when you see that globe at the beginning of of the film you know for those first four or five episodes we did you know what's coming right you know that logo Mm -hmm. is eventually going to come come across the screen you're going to see universal we get the black screen. We know that the screen is eventually going to fade up again and we're going to be somewhere. We see Clooney, you know, those those few episodes we did where he's throwing his tie. We know what gravity is. We know that the tie is going to hit mm-hmm. the ground, yeah. you know. But this particular moment, he pulls his hands through his hair and we don't see them fall. What happens next? Yeah. You know, spoiled, of course, by the fact that we've seen the movie dozens of mm-hmm. times now. But Hundreds. but if you never have, you don't know. If you if you pause mm-hmm. it at this moment, if you just hit the pause button and watch this single frame with Clooney's hands in his hair, you have no idea what's coming. Next. I mean, you you barely know if you're watching the right film. Um, I think we all remember 
you know, Serbian second where, um, you know, three of our favorite podcasters were, were watching a Serbian film a second and a half at a time. Um, and I kind of felt like it was a little bit yes. of a ripoff of your concept, but I thought they took it in an interesting direction, especially when they got to episode 73 and they realized they actually had put in the wrong DVD and they were watching Shrek 2. Um, and that was such like a right. revelatory moment. And like, you don't, yeah. you don't know. Now, granted, mm-hmm. they, you know, you guys watched the whole the whole movie, so probably this is probably the right movie that we're talking about. But you know, it could have been this like Shrekian wonderment that happened there mm. as well. And that's just I don't I don't know. It's 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 so many things in motion that we don't get to see the the completion of. We 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 know so little about what's going on of which we know so much about. I I just want to say briefly, you know, Clooney is. Uh, a brilliant actor. He's uh, he's a face. He's a very handsome man. We all know that. But the physical acting he does in this movie, but in this second in particular, is some of the finest physical acting yeah. I have seen short of, I don't know, anyone. Charlie Chaplin, Buster Keaton, you name it. I mean, it's up there with the greats. He's He is so kinetic. He is so explosive in this moment. And you really get to see, you know, the entertainer's background um, in, in his family, in his blood, in his DNA. He's carrying himself with a certain amount of grace right. um, that comes with this explosiveness. It's truly a sight to behold. You're right, Carly. He does express this even in his physicality. If you notice, when he pulls on his hair... He never quite allows his elbows to make a full 90 right. degrees. We never he get does not. We never get that square angle. We keep everything kind of more more cute, right? So we never we're kind of off kilter, we're a little bit off balance. Uh despite all of that, there's a there's a uh sort of contradiction in in the facial expressions that Clooney is making here as well. I don't know if you all caught this, but you know, we we know from from the show, just having seen the movie so so many times at this point in, in preparation, that Soderbergh is a fan of his inserts, mm-hmm. right? He likes these close ups on things, whether it's a you know coming up here in a, a a few more hundred episodes, whether it's like fish or or you know a gun or a lighter or things like that. But with the bank sign, it's a point of view shot, which mm-hmm. we don't get very much in those other inserts. This one is actually. Uh, you know, coming off of that that reverse shot from the second just prior, where we know that not only are we seeing a sign, or not only are we supposed to be reading what's on this sign, but but Clooney is reading the sign too. You know, and and when we cut back to him, that beautiful cut yeah. during the second, this explosive glorious cut, cut, which again just you know riches galore for the purposes of our show. His body is saying. I'm confused, Mm -hmm. but you can see in his face, he's kind of for the first time so far in the movie saying, I know what I'm going to do. He's finally made that decision, right? He's kind of turned over already. And it all Mm -hmm. comes because he's like, I read the word bank. I'm a bank robber. You know, like he's Mm -hmm. saying, you can Mm -hmm. see all of that just in that quick, quick kind of change. His past comes rushing back to him in that moment. And uh, again, we know Clooney's oeuvre up to this point. We know his Mm -hmm. body of work. Like we're still kind of in a place where we're like, 
this guy's a doctor. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like where are his scrubs? And then we see the bank and then we see the certainty and we almost put it together in our yeah. heads where we're like, oh, this guy isn't a doctor. He's not. This guy's a bank robber. He is no longer a doctor in that moment. I didn't understand why he was the bank robber because I was thinking Batman, of course. And and clearly, mm, if there obviously. is an opposite to bank robbery, it would be Batman. Mm, Batman right. hates hates right. that. And Clooney goes so deep on these roles that I have to wonder if there wasn't like a certain degree of like self-loathing mm. of that little Ugh, Batman yeah. in the back of his head being like, no, you can't rob the bank, Batman. You can't rob the bank. And meanwhile, right. uh, John Foley is going, I have to rob the bank. I love robbing banks. It's all that I know how to do. Yeah. And and Batman going, no, don't do it. Well, I, I mean, it's it's true that like, you know, you, you you always have to kill the little Batman inside your head. Like that's just part of your your growth. Absolutely, Chris. I agree 100%. You know, and there's not just the fallout of potentially losing the little Batman in your head. You know, you could get your your Batman Visa card revoked, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's you know, it says forever, but you know, it, it's not <laughs> It's not going to last forever. It's it's not forever. And, it's and not. honestly, this didn't hit me until just now. But I mean, it almost feels like I know I know this wasn't this wasn't Clooney, but Batman and Batman and who? Batman and Robin. 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 Oh, Robin. the bank bank, bank, bank Robin. Robin. Uh, God. Fuck. This is why we do this. This is why we do this. Yeah. Show. This is why we do it's this. It's so interesting to see these things like, you know, talking. It's like almost like intertextual uh, connections. Just amazing. Look, I spent a good portion of my life watching movies second after second, mm-hmm. like some rube. <laughs> and it's too many seconds in a row. It's too many seconds it's in a row. It's too abundant to take everything in. And, you know, like, I was missing a lot of movie. I was missing a lot of life. And this is our effort to stop time, right? Mm-hmm. To slow mm-hmm. it down to the point where I really can take in that second. And here we are having revelations left and right. And this is why we do the show. This is what makes cinema cinema. It's such a rich medium. Because I mean, like... Think about it. There's almost there's you know, pardon me for going like way out of bounds here, but like there's almost more than one second Please. in the second because you have the second of video, but you also have the second of audio. Um, and mm, I know yes. that you mentioned God. the car horns. I know you want to talk about the car horns. Please, please um, amazing yeah. segue. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about the horn. So, <clears throat> you know, we are coming in into second sixty three with the horn having started just at the tail end of of second 62 you know we got a little taste of it mm-hmm. you know a little taste that's right just, just a just, just a tiny just a tiny little little uh <laughs> pinky nail bump and now we're like now we're cranking rails of car yeah. horn yeah it's the whole it's the whole horn and now. not just not just the mm-hmm. little bit of the, horn, it, the whole horn not a susan yes whole, whole horn dish and and here's you know when when we examine this and we, we watch it and and listen to it you know listen really hear it on repeat, you notice that there are four tones, right? It's syncopated. It's not just one long blaring horn. Uh, there is is one kind of long, 
sound and then a couple of of syncopated little little beeps at the end mm. to my ears at first i thought this is one car hitting the horn multiple times and we're just getting the doppler mm-hmm. effect right yeah i don't know if you guys got that for for those listening at home who don't know right the doppler effect is an increase or a decrease in the frequency of sound light or other waves as the source and observer move toward or away from each other right the effect causes kind of a, a sudden change in pitch, right? Then that, that's kind of what we hear here. We hear it with, with ambulance sirens, mm-hmm. right? You hear it with, with planes and, and vehicles as they're kind of whirring by if they're really, really loud. Um, and of course, the Doppler effect is, is expressed as a formula as uh, the observer frequency is equal to the speed of the waves plus the observer velocity divided by the speed of the waves plus the source velocity times the actual frequency of the sound waves. Right. Wow. So at first I was like, I was like, this is what we're experiencing here. And I think to an extent we are experiencing that because there is a slight There's pitch a touch change. of Doppler, yeah. mm-hmm. but a touch. I, I think this is a part where the captions and, and actually listening to the audio in, in a stereo system really helped me to make sense of this entire thing. Mm. So, so the captions, I don't know if you all watch with captions the way we do. We like to, it, it helps us to make sure we don't miss anything in the dialogue and, and get all this beautiful writing. It says horns blare, oh, not yeah. horn, horns, horns, horns blare. So, so already we know multiple vehicles, right? Or yeah. it could, I mean, it could be one then car I, it, with multiple horns. Like those ones that That's play true. like the Godfather true. theme or something along those lines right. or like La Cucaracha or something mm-hmm. when you press yes. the horn. Or you, just a tiny yeah. little clown yeah, horn, yeah, you yeah. Know, just on the yeah. side. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. Like a person driving the car, honking the horn, and like maybe also like honking or, a clown or like, or like horn. saying yeah. honk, a little jalopy like, honk, honk as they right. drive by. Or saying honk, honk, yes, honk yeah, 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 yeah. See, also, what, did, what did I say before? We open it up so we can expand the possibility Mm -hmm. yes totally so so we we kind of see as you as you already mentioned you know potentially one source but multiple horns right the 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 sort of clown car horn the jalopy horn the actual like beep beep yeah the person saying honk potentially potentially also just you know onomatopoeia oh guys exactly guys geese yeah maybe it was geese and geese maybe geese geese. also you have to remember geese do honk back to where they're from right that's Just right. like John Foley comes back, yeah, honking, yes, to the bank, yes, like a riverbank where a goose might be going honk honk. Yeah. Also, like insight. also like native to the Everglades in Florida, I think, right? I, I think to an extent, yeah. I mean, they they go wherever there's Swamp water, goose. and yeah. they, they migrate goose. south to yeah. warmer climate. Climate, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, wow, now, wow. So, you you all are blowing my mind. Now, I, I love all of this that we're talking about, but I think I, I kind of have a theory about uh, the number. Of, of vehicles that we're talking about here. And I, I want to talk a little bit about why I think this. I think I think we're dealing with two cars here. As I said, you know, I kind of played this in a stereo system. I put on some headphones too. The long extended horn plays sort of at a distance in the sound mix, distinctly in the left earphone. Mm. And the other horn is syncopated. Those three beeps are much closer and more abrupt, louder, in the right so you get them from different places and kind of running into one another so you, th- you think that you know again maybe multiple maybe one source multiple horns but i actually have a theory that this is two cars mm. and the reason i think that is because i think that this is an 
early tip-off to a, a fundamental plot point that's going to be coming up in about 500 episodes from now. You know, a, a few more minutes ahead, a um, few hundred seconds, we see Jack in prison. And he's on the phone with Adele, right? Catherine, Catherine Keener. Mm-hmm. And she mentions to him that Buddy, Ving Rhames' character, is coming to, to boost him out of jail and has enlisted the help of Glenn Michaels, who they know from Lompoc, mm. and that they're bringing two vehicles, oh. right? That, that they have the one getaway car and then Glenn's driving a second. And so I think... You know, and maybe this is reading too much into it, but of course, that's what we do on the show. We we like to examine this, and and I like to give credit to filmmakers and to creators that they're that they're thinking about these things this way. I think that this is two cars at the beginning of the film to uh, to tease the two cars later <clears throat> in the film. Yeah, it's it's foreshadowing. It's masterful. Yeah, it would have to. It would. I mean, it, it would it would have to be because like, why else would you have two cars? Right. It right. doesn't it wouldn't make any sense otherwise. And, and you know, the the, the um, the like the uh, assault on your senses coming from both sides just really um, puts, uh, you know, the viewer of this second in the same frame of mind uh, as Jack Foley. Mm. Like it's it's yes, just, it really does a good job of, tra- you know, making you feel the the confusion and, and you know, the two cars honking. The two cars, right? Like the little Batman and mm-hmm. Jack. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yep. Yes, exactly. Un, un petit Batman, as uh, Derrida called it. And and so, you know, as we're continuing to investigate this and think a little bit more about the horns, the syncopated horn, I had a little bit of, uh, I had a hard time uh, categorizing here, trying to figure out. It still remains kind of elusive. I think that that might also be sort of the relative distance that Glenn's character and his vehicle has within the context of the film, or even the the alternative, the reverse of that, right? We, we know that Glenn's got this car that he boosted mm-hmm. that eventually drives him and Karen that he then takes to Detroit to meet up with Don Cheadle's character, right? So that car's in there throughout. And and the car that Buddy brings to the, the prison gets lost almost immediately. So I think that maybe that is one of those things too, right? Like this like long extended horn and then one that kind of chirps a little bit more. Like it's it's begging for attention, mm-hmm. but it's gone after that, right? Yeah. Anyway, I, I, I took this first horn and I kind of isolated it in the sound mix and I wanted to get a, I wanted to get kind of a, a tune on it, right? And I figured out that it is, it is a, a distinct E, mm-hmm. you know, in, in terms of the chromatic scale. And I was thinking about it in relation to some songs that uh, are in the key of E major. Um, I, just a couple of them, just to name off for, for those of you uh, interested. Uh, Pixies, Where Is My Mind? Oh, yep. Song yep. in E. Listen, Classic song. We, we were just talking about how much, you know, Jack Foley's mind is in turmoil. And, you know, what, mm. what, better, what better song than, you know, symbolize that? Yes. Absolutely. And then, of course, you know, like Fincher lifts that and uses it uh, in the the thrilling conclusion of Fight Club just a year later. Mm-hmm. You know, you kind of you kind of get the sense that these two uh, contemporaries are sort of in dialogue with one another. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Yeah. I, I can almost imagine Fincher sitting there, you know, watching the movie and thinking, oh, man, I, you know, that's that that E is just really just really says mm-hmm. so much. Mm-hmm. I, I got to do you got to use it. We know very well, right, that this this film 
is uh, in direct conversation with and exists in the same world as Tarantino's Jackie Brown. Yeah. Yes. Because Michael Keaton shows up in both of them as the same character, right? Ray Nicolette. Um, and you have to assume, too, then, of course, you know, like there is this continuation, right? There's this continuum between Tarantino, Soderbergh, Fincher. Uh, these filmmakers are just putting these little like nice tips of the hat to the, you know, the master Soderbergh. It's just it's just so nice to see, like, you know, the camar- uh, camaraderie uh, between, you know, artists of such caliber. It's one of those things that enriches the the movie watching experience when you see such great creators have such deep and profound appreciation for one another. And, and I mean, even even like the great Orson Welles, you know, has that that well-known, like hilarious quote where he says, you know, the the most detestable thing uh, in modern cinema is the homage that isn't a horn. Um, even he, you know, he even he had to recognize, you know, that it's like it really takes it to a different level that subtlety with which they work, which is, I mean, which is why there's so many horn based, uh, you know, homages now. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That, that caveat is so important to that quote overall, right? Because you, you, for a moment, you know, when you hear, when you see kind of the, the fury in Wells's in his, his timbre of his voice and his kind of, mm-hmm. you know, his, mm-hmm. his mannerism. And he says, you know, detestable hitting those T's. You think Orson, like, <laughs> What about, what about horns? horns? Yeah, what about horns? What yeah. about horns? What about horns? And then he says it. Horns. And then he says, <laughs> yeah. except for the horns. <laughs> yeah. And you well, say, yeah. yeah. Well, and, you know. and, and, you know, the, the, it's, it's such a shame that the finale of The Magnificent Ambersons was lost uh, because, mm. you know, he really brings back the horns because it's all about the car being made. Uh, you know, the, 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 uh, the, the modern car and the development of the new, you know, nouveau riche. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm. you, you have to imagine that he was just putting horns all over the place. In yeah. That. Yeah. finale and the, the studio has just butchered it and you know there's just no respect for the artist it calls to mind a couple of other you know great sort of homages and and a lot of other films that that utilize cars so effectively you know you think of the great uh, edgar ulmer and his film detour a very very famous film that takes place largely in a car mm-hmm. and you wonder right you begin to kind of see this again speaking to one another across across generations yeah um, I also think, you know, it, w- this conversation isn't complete without bringing up Vanishing mm-hmm. Point, oh, right? So. Which would be the film that inspired Tarantino's Death Proof, right. two very famous car yep. movies, yes. right? Mm-hmm. And at this point, Tarantino, you know, maybe maybe he had an early idea of, of making this kind of grindhouse-y uh, car movie that was paying homage to, to Vanishing Point. Um, but of course, it, it wouldn't come along for another decade. And so you you have to wonder, too, how much did out of sight inspire Tarantino's I, 21st century. I mean, output. I mean, there, there's clearly a through line from vanishing point to out of sight to death proof, it, especially the first half where, you know, beyond the vanishing point, something is out of sight. This may as well be called vanishing point two, coming yes. vanishing point two coming yes. back towards the camera to yes. scare them. Like the train did that you mentioned earlier. That's right. Yeah. It should be noted that in the script, for this film uh and and likewise in the elmore leonard novel Mm. no mention made of the horn yeah yeah it's such a um it's a it's a cinematic it's it's something that can only be achieved through cinema like and Mm -hmm. you know that just reinforces that uh this is not 
Elmer Leonard. This is not, you know, Scott Frank's script. Uh, this is, you know, uh, Soderbergh's uh, cinematic, you know, uh, art. His, you know, his, his masterful work. Yeah, he's he's leaving the mark of the artist's hand in this second. And he's reminding us why this second is his Mm -hmm. and not anyone else's. Yeah. But he's sharing it with us. Yeah. Continuing on our our list of of other songs in the key of E. Mm, Please. Major. uh, Dave Matthews band crash into me. (laughs) Oh yeah. Well, here we go. You know, gang, another, another master of, of his own form. Uh, I mean, what, what else, really can be said mm-hmm. about about Dave and about that particular song. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, and about crashing, which, yeah. you know, yes. ostensibly this this movie is just full yeah. of crashes. Yeah. Literal, figurative. When when Jack Foley and Karen Sisko meet, they are crashing into one another. Crashing yes. into Their one another. Their lives are crashing yep. into one another. It's yeah. Yes. And you know, when you think about crash Another famous uh, car movie, Crash. I almost forgot the name of it. Uh, David Cronenberg's Crash. We we hadn't thrown him yet into this pantheon of filmmakers in conversation with one another. But when you when you realize a horn in Out of Sight played an E, Dave Matthews Band Crash into Me, E major. Mm-hmm. David Cronenberg, Crash. Yeah, cars. Right, right? wanting to fuck cars. Do you, do you see the symmetry here yeah. that I'm talking about? Like you know, these these it's, minds are all contemporaries, but you you forget sometimes that they all exist in the same sort of artistic ecosystem and are obviously stealing from, from each other in ways that we couldn't even think of. You know, we wouldn't even notice. It's no coincidence that um, that first meeting that we talked about takes place in the back of a car. Mm-hmm. Like it's mm. you know, well, and horns often happen. In crashes, like very literally, you know, there's a fatalism here Mm -hmm. that he's really signaling Mm -hmm. in this moment. Yeah, I mean, what could possibly be happening when that driver or those multiple drivers are laying on their horns, then the anticipation of some sort of maneuver on the road that could lead to an accident, could lead to a crash. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. And, you know, very clearly reminding us of of the Matthew song yeah. too, yeah. as another, as another signal, a weather vane. Yeah. Uh, thinking back to the image of the SunTrust bank sign and what, what do banks do? Sometimes they crash. Yeah. You yeah, know, yeah, sometimes yeah, they yeah. just yeah. run out of money. Yeah. 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 Right. Like, yeah. So it, it is, right. It's, it's, it's a hole. Like this is a, uh, every bit is a hole. Yeah. Yeah. Did Soderbergh Babe Ruth, the 2008 financial crash? Mm-hmm. Oh, Man. We don't know, right? He's been relatively silent on this. Yeah. Um, he, I think he was asked in a recent uh, press tour when he was promoting Singani 63, his uh, sort of neutral grape spirit that he makes um, that comes from Colombia. But, it, you know, he, he has remained pretty hush-hush on this. But I, I, I get the sense that he knows more than he's letting on. Yeah. An- another great song uh, in the key of E major. Foo Fighters, Best mm-hmm. of You. Mm-hmm. Oh. You know, many people consider this work to be Soderbergh's best, mm. right? The best of Soderbergh, right. the best of him. Right. You know, I, I I posed a question on a mutual Monday on Twitter not long ago and asked people for their top five Soderberghs. And uh, 
lo and behold, many non-mutuals decided to quote tweet it, mm. uh, which is against the rules. And I'm still mm-hmm. a little bitter about it. But yeah. in all of those all of those lists, uh, nearly universally out of sight in in those lists. Um, I you know the the other four up for debate and and, and discretion, but out of sight, I, I would say, is consistently ranked as as perhaps Soderbergh's best or or at the very least among the top work he's ever produced. I want to put a question to you both, to you each. We come back to this question every episode. It feels like we're at a good point to ask it. You know, what is your favorite moment in this second? We've got a lot going on. Mm -hmm. We've got some aural collaging. We have some visual collaging. There's a lot of motion. Maybe even in pulled back a little bit. I feel like we have to clarify this question a lot. What's your favorite component of the second? Yeah. Even you know maybe because you know a, a moment is such an arbitrary idea, but the the, the you know the mechanics of it. What what's your favorite component? I, yes. The, can I, can I go first? I just want to jump in. There's um, of course. So Please. In the when you first see the SunTrust Bank sign, not, not when you first see it, but like a, you know a, a few milliseconds into seeing the SunTrust Bank sign. Um, there's a branch um, behind the sign that moves like a little bit, kind of like up into the left a little bit, like it, it just kind of like wiggles a little bit. Um, and for the longest time, I thought it was uh, the wind moving that branch. Um, but then I started thinking about it and it's so perfect in how it it draws your eye from left to right in the same direction that you're reading the SunTrust bank sign um, that they, they had to have either just like filmed and filmed and filmed and filmed until that branch moved just the right way or had like, like mm. a grip or something up in the tree with like a string pulling the branch up and down um, so they could get that, that perfect shot. Um, and it's such yes. a, it's such a critical component of like the visual geometry, the visual language, the narrative stylings of, of that shot that um, I, I think, you know, so much credit goes out to the cinematographer, Elliot Davis, uh, the, the tree based tree photographer, uh, Elliot Trevis, um, the, 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 the third and fourth cinematographers, uh, Mario Bandalo and uh, uh, Dewey Dalsam. Um, and they all yep. did like really amazing work um, on just making that shot happen. And I think it really shows like why yeah. Soderbergh always has the four cinematographers and not just mm-hmm. the one. Um, and it really shows like, that's why he gets the big bucks. That's why these, that's why these films yeah. mean so much to people. Yeah. The, the, the tree, yes. the tree branch by the bank branch. Yes. 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 God, yeah. just incredible. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think my favorite moment in this second is, um, we, we really briefly, uh, touched on it before but when the amorphous black blob just passes the screen it's so mysterious and there's just so no definition and it could be literally anything it just and and you know and that's what cinema is for is letting your brain just like fire on all cylinders Mm -hmm. and like that just one moment just really lets you go wild and I, I think that part just really because in that moment you, you don't know what's happening next could it you know you saw jack foley but after the thing goes past it could be who, who knows what you know carrot top could show up you know you don't know 
but uh yeah so that that's my favorite moment because it, it just gives me you know, ch- the chill of the unknown and it's just too much yeah it's incredible two great moments from the second i i won't be labored anymore i think that you've really hit on the ones that that carly and i would probably say are, are both our, ours as well again though you know just the the horn and and sort of the the potency of that horn the way that it's it's influenced so much uh other artwork, other creation of the era, I, I think would maybe be the only other thing to cap it off in this sort of holy trifecta. Mm. And and with that, I, I think that we we've really wrung uh, a lot out of this out of this second, um, mm-hmm. fellas. I, I gotta say, you know, as I mentioned already, those first 24, 25 episodes were were tough. You know, we were on that Universal logo for a long time. It was in focus for a couple mm-hmm. of seconds. It faded to black. Yeah. You know, we didn't know that when we asked Jacob Backrack on the show, we didn't know it was just going to be the black screen. We didn't. We got a good episode out of it regardless. Mm-hmm. He was very, very cordial about the whole thing. But again, now. Gentleman and a scholar, that Jacob Backrack. We're really cooking mm-hmm. with gas now, you know, uh, and and this is one of those one of those moments, one of those seconds where we talk about it for, for the duration of this hour. And I am looking forward again to those next 7,180 mm-hmm. some odd mm-hmm. episodes of the show. Yeah. You know, they, they say every frame of painting, but every second is an art museum. Couldn't an, have said it better yeah, myself. An exhibition of sorts. It also kind of feels like a, like a, a roller coaster too, though. Right. It's yeah. like, we're, it's like, we're looking at an exhibit while riding a roller coaster. Yeah, it's like a roller coaster in a museum. Yeah. Yep. Without yeah. hitting anything, without destroying any of the paintings, no. but like, you know, if you could get you know, the Batman ride to go through the Louvre. Yeah. Through the Louvre. Through the yeah. Louvre. Yep. Uh, you know, this is just one second out of many and uh, you know, it's it's how one second follows the next and follows the next and follows the next and follows the next. It just goes on. And 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 you know, there's just so many seconds in a minute. Yeah. If if I were going to take this film and boil it down to just a second, it, I don't know that it would be this one, but I would certainly think about if it should be this one. Yeah, it feels like one of the one of the first truly essential yes, seconds of absolutely. the entire yeah. of the entire thing. Mm-hmm. And and I could not think of of two better people to to join us for it to to take us truly, along the ride truly uh, than you all, Chris Woodward, Kurt Schiller. Um, thank you both again so much uh, for being it was here. An honor. Been yeah. so yeah. fantastic. Thank you for the invite. We're, we, we, you know, um, I think we could probably do one more of these episodes on a different second, but I would definitely want like a break of at least like a hundred to five hundred seconds. I think. I, mm-hmm. I, I think, yeah, totally reasonable. Absolutely, completely reasonable. Yeah, completely understand. In that Got case, it. in that case, gentlemen, we'll see you back in in a little over two years um, from now. It, we're we're very much looking forward to it already. Um, as always, folks, you know, you, thank you so much again for listening to Sex Guys and Videotapes, uh, an examination. Insofar as I know, the only examination of Steven Soderbergh's Out of Sight, second by second. Um, imitators, copycats, be damned. You're here for the meat. We've provided it. And now that you've had the meat, you can you can have some pudding. And now you can have the pudding. You yes. might even, you know, grab a, grab a bowl, throw some blueberries, some strawberries, some marshmallows in there if you want to. And just and just enjoy it. Enjoy your snack.
we will be back again <clears throat> later this week with episode 64. We've got so many exciting guests coming oh your way. Oh my gosh, so many. It's it's an incredible roster. I don't even want to, you know, to I, I don't want to spoil it. We are in talks right now with some people who had a hand in creating these beautiful seconds of cinema. Whoa. Um and and you know, more to come. I like I said, I don't want to spoil it. It's still in its its early workings right now. We've got about 24 more years of this left. We will see, uh, but but I am just so excited for the ride again. It's mm-hmm. been revitalizing. Yes, I, I'm ready to rock again. You know, I think like the thing that I'm left with really is just like don't murder the little Batman inside yeah. of you. Lock him just up. Don't just don't get do a, that. Get a handle on him, but don't kill him completely. Yeah, figure it out if it's, if it's Michael Keaton, if it's George Clooney, it's Val Kilmer, if it's. There are two Batmans. Two in this Batmans movie. in this movie. What the fuck? I didn't even yeah. think about yeah. it. Oh my god. See, again, if we if we get going, we're we're just gonna spend another yep. three hours talking about this this second. Yes. Um so we're not gonna do that. We're gonna let let you find folks uh be on your way. Thank you again so much for listening today, folks. More to come very soon. Have a blessed day. Tight, tight, tie me up again